Welcome to the podcast of Wiser, women in surgery at the Emory Residencies, where we share the careers and life stories of Emory surgeons across all specialties to recognize the diverse achievements happening right here at our own institution. Thanks for joining us for part two of Dr. Diane Payne's episode. Here are your hosts, Emily Allard-Phillips and Sandy Hobson. Since you have some interesting research going on, it seems, with like gun violence research and Pivot, could you just tell us a little bit about that and where it stands currently? Pivot, a program to interrupt violence through outreach and treatment. Pivot Atlanta is a group that we started about two years ago now. When I first started at Grady, I was astounded by the number of ballistic injuries that we took care of on a daily basis. And couldn't understand why all these people were getting shot. And I would say to my partners, wait, what is this? You know, I mean, I was in Hawaii. I treated one gunshot wound, which was a hunting accident. And here I come to Grady, and it's like all I do is take care of ballistic fractures. And the answer was always the same. It was, well, you know, welcome to Grady. That's just how it is. And so I started questioning that, saying, why? Why is that the way it is, and why are we accepting that? It almost feels like we're numb to the fact that this is what we do every day because we see it every day and we just expect it to happen instead of taking a step back and asking why is this happening? How can we keep people from falling into the water instead of just pulling them out every time? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so Tom Moore Sr., who is one of my partners who just recently retired, he and I would talk about this a lot, and he kind of pushed me to start asking the bigger question, the ethical question, of whether or not we as an academic institution, Emory, Grady, has a responsibility to do something about this epidemic of gun violence that we see and we take care of. So we started asking the question that way, and that became a Grand Rounds topic, and that developed, I basically stood up at this Grand Rounds after I gave it and said, anyone who wants to help me, here's my email address. So we started this task force, and we had about 30 people who showed up to our first meeting, and we developed a pivot out of this task force. We got a grant from the Department of Justice to help us get started, and what we're trying to do is somebody comes into the hospital, into the emergency room shot, we're trying to reach that person at that teachable moment, that moment where they feel like I'm vulnerable and willing to accept help to do something different in their lives. And so we do that via case management. So we'll have a social worker who will reach out to that person, try and engage them in terms of understanding what their risk profile is for being shot again and try and eliminate those potential risk factors for being shot again. So we plug those patients into different um, social resources that we have throughout Atlanta and what we're trying to create is a, um, a situation where Grady is the hub of the wheel so to speak and we see and take care of the patient in the immediate moment make sure that they're stable fractures are fixed, whatever needs to be done. And then we reach out to different uh, resources throughout the community and say, you know, this person needs this GRE, we're gonna plug them in with this group over here. This person needs housing, we're gonna plug them in over here. This person needs mental health. And so the, the goal is to try and decrease the recidivistic violence. 
So somebody who comes and shot into the emergency room has about a 40% chance, based on the statistics that we've, we've looked at at Grady, of being shot again. So it's a pretty high number. And if we can eliminate some of that, then we've done Atlanta a service. A huge, huge public service. Right. Absolutely. So we're taking a public health approach to try and reach out to the community and, and try and help people understand that gun violence is, is a public health problem, mm-hmm. just like smoking is a public health problem that we're doing something about. Absolutely. And I'm very lucky to have come from a very safe town, a very small rural town where gun violence was not necessarily an issue. But you're right, especially when you enter into a big city such as Atlanta, where there is so much more gun violence. Um, You can really have your eyes opened to what is going on in some parts of the country and in our country and in our own cities. I think one thing I personally love about your story is the idea of questioning the status quo. I think especially as students um, and young residents, you can go into a new system or excuse me, you can be a new person going into an old system where you're told this is just the way we do things. And I agree with you that that's never a sufficient answer. You always have to say, why are you doing this? And if you don't know, I'm going to figure it out for you or I'm going to figure out a better way to do it because if you really don't know, then we need to figure this out. One time I heard someone say, wherever you see duct tape, you know it's an opportunity for a design improvement. (laughs) And I think when you see so many people injured by gunshot wounds, when you see children injured by gunshot wounds, when you see uh, passerby injured by gunshot wounds, um, when you see domestic violence incidents involve gunshot or gun violence, I think all of those just scream for an opportunity for improvement. And I think so many of us are so glad you're working on this project to address that. Well, it's an exciting project. I'm, I'm really proud of how far we've come with it. We partner with the Atlanta Police Department. And so they have, a, they have created a COPS program, community-oriented policing program, to try and improve community relations with the police department. And so the idea... Uh, with the cops integrating into Pivot is we find out where the hot spots are occurring in terms of ballistic violence. The, the cops officers will then go out to those hot spots and try and cool tempers and prevent uh, retaliatory gang violence, that kind of thing. And so, you know, we're, we're just getting off the ground. The program has been live for six months now. Mm-hmm. And we're really getting a lot of traction and we're hoping to get in front of the mayor and, you know, the city council and see if we can't get some funding through the mayor's office, through the city, to help keep this alive. And that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I was really keen to learn when I learned more about this project you're doing is that similar programs have been proven to be extremely successful and not only successful but cost-effective in other cities, including uh, Oakland and Chicago. Right. And San Francisco has actually done some financial, um, some, some research uh, involving the financials in terms of the cost savings for the hospitals. And it's, it's outstanding how much money you can save the hospital. If you just keep four people from getting shot, you basically pay for the entire program, which 
you know, budgetary costs are about $150,000. So, right. <laughs> it's a win-win. We just need to convince everybody that this is not about the Second Amendment. This is not about, you know, your right to bear arms. This is about a public health problem that we need to fix. Yeah, and I think I'll just echo what both of you said, that baseline is just a good lesson to learn to just question what seems wrong because even from a medical student's perspective the two nights I spent on an ortho trauma call I saw multiple gunshot wounds and heard many comments from the people I was working with like oh we recognize this guy mm-hmm. and I was shocked but then I was like oh okay and that seemed normal to them so I shrugged it off which should never be your reaction but it kind of like a lesson to question those things that you know I'm glad you touched on that because I think something that's so important that we don't necessarily teach very well is our own inherent biases and how that affects how we see people who come in injured. And somebody comes in who's shot, who, you know, maybe African American between the ages of 18 and 24, and we just make these assumptions that, well, this person must have been doing something wrong, wrong place at the wrong time, kind of thing, which is not fair. It's not fair to the patient. We don't probably treat the patient as well as we probably should sometimes because we do make these assumptions. And so I'm trying really hard to, to get that message across. All right, well, that was awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I think we all had a great time today. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's Wiser podcast. Hope you join us next time for another great interview.